Hello, and welcome to Seducing Aliveness with Jen Halterman, myself, and Tamara Yonker, my co-host. Hello, Tamara. Good morning, good morning, good morning. <laughs> We're back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And if you're listening, apparently you still want more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're still here, <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that, it, well, I know that thus far our show yesterday, show number 29, The Trance of Narcissism, is one of the most interacted shows I've experienced with with the follow-up messages, and I encourage you and invite you all to continue to correspond with us through Facebook or through, you know, you can always email directly the seducing aliveness at gmail.com. You know, it's very rarely used, but that is an option for you to send us a direct message or each of us have our Facebook pages, and all of that is listed in the show descriptions. And so you can get in touch with us any way you please, and we welcome your, you know, your experience and your feedback. I think that for some, you were surprised by the content yesterday. I think some were prepared for narcissism to be made the villain and the victims to be at the effect of. And I think that there was a lot of surprise to that. So for those of you who stuck with the show long enough to realize that there was a lot of freedom within that message, welcome. And if you have started to catch on that what we're all about is freedom and exposing how you can choose your freedom, your expansion, your self-power, all of that, welcome to the show about the birth of victim because that's what this is about also. This isn't about keeping you stuck. This is about how did you get there and what would it take for you to choose out when you desire or take action is up to you. We're just shining the light on different aspects so that you can know that there are choices. And so if you have, you know, if you are ready to be offended, if you're ready to go into judgment, if you're ready to fight for your victim stance, for that standing place that you have claimed to be victim, then, you know, you might have a little bumpy ride and you might be offended. And we're okay with that because if that's where you are, that's fine. We're not saying that's wrong, but we are just shining the light so that when you're ready, if you decide that you want something different, there are options for you. And that's mm-hmm. really what we're about here is just you know, shattering lies, burning them to the ground, and letting their ashes go away instead of stay in judgment about it. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I, I often use the, <clears throat> the world is round versus the world is flat metaphor. I'm like, you know, um when it was declared that the world, in fact, was round, I often wonder how long it took people to adapt to that. And, you know, there's going to be the early adopters, and there's going to be the laggards, and then the, you know, big group in between. (laughs) But the thing is, no matter how much you might have resisted and reacted to the idea that the world was round, it's still round. (laughs) So, um, yeah. I I I I would invite you to look at where your fight is the strongest, where you're really armed and ready to go to battle, because it's likely that that's the place you are denying your power the most. How's that yes. for a paradox? Because <laughs> so often we we live in this idea that you know when I'm fighting I'm I you know you get yourself all riled up and you're ready and you're stealing yourself for a battle right and you're like I feel so powerful right now not so much true vo- right. uh, true true potency actually is born from vulnerability interestingly enough right not from fight right. And I think that that was what was most surprising for a lot of the people that corresponded about the narcissism shows that we've done is, you know, we don't come from the point of view that narcissism is power over somebody. We actually really wonder why you believe you have power under them. Like, Mm -hmm. when did you dial it down? We're more curious about that. So instead of villainizing 
the narcissist, we're asking, how did you get there? What are you doing to hold yourself there? Because there, there is a choice to be made. There, there's just simply, oh, we're you know, inviting you to have awareness. Because what I really experienced in my own experience with victims and my own experience with you know, narcissism and sociopaths and all of that stuff is everywhere that I believed a certain category or label looked a certain way and that it never looked anything different was all the it revealed everything I was denying about how I was playing those roles. Because if I decided the victim had to look pitiful and I wasn't being pitiful and I was really being a bitchy loudmouth victim, well then I wasn't being a victim because I wasn't being pitiful. And I was denying where I was expressing it. And so to get really just freaking honest about all the ways that we choose victim, all the way we choose narcissism, all the way we choose, you know, whatever it is, will reveal how we're playing the game. We all play these games. I mean, even I do. I still do. Hell, I can be a great narcissist. I can be a fabulous victim. This isn't about never doing it and always trying to be right so you never do this. This isn't that. We're not going into control. We're not going into a right way, quote, unquote. What we're doing is, what are you choosing? Because if, Mm -hmm. if you're saying, well, I'll never do that again, you've already set yourself up for it because that limits you to actually be aware when somebody else is choosing that again. We've got to be aware of it in ourselves before we can be aware of it with others. And that's the invitation of this, I don't know, this string of conversations from my point of view. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I shared this morning as I was um, posting about the show on Facebook that years ago I never would have acknowledged that I was functioning as a victim because I judged victims, like, really contempt and disdain for victims. I'm like, oh, they're weak and pathetic and disgusting. And I was <laughs> never going to be that. And the irony in that was that as I judged victim as harshly as I did, I completely cut off my awareness of where I was playing powerless and functioning that way in pretty much every area of my life. And um, in my in my family of origin, my father was the dominator. So he just he just basically... He didn't have a lot of finesse, and he essentially would just yell. Like, what he would just get angry and yell to get his own way. And, and it pretty much worked. As soon as he started getting angry and yelling, my mother would cower because she had a history of abuse in her younger years, in her childhood, so it worked beautifully. So his, without any kind of, you know, finesse, he'd just be like, I'm going to dominate you by my anger. And uh, and I looked at him, and I was like, I'm never going to be like that. <laughs> and then I looked at my mother, who was, you know, the the one cowering in his uh, and, and making herself so much less than him, and I was like, oh, that's so pathetic. She's so spineless and weak. I'm never going to be like that. <laughs> but here's the interesting thing. Um, what I learned is I actually made the anger and the domination uh, so very wrong that, but I, but I, I bought into like both of my parents are functioning as victims, essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, like the narcissist—they're just two sides of the same coin. I said this on a previous show: narcissism and victim, just mm-hmm. two sides of the same coin. So even though yep. my father was doing this anger, rage, domination, he's doing that because he feels like a victim. And my mother is, you know, doing her victim from this pathetic, but they're still, they're still victim, they're still narcissists. It's all the same thing. And, and what I learned by mimicking them, because that was, that was the only models I had for uh, my growing up years, is I learned to be really good at emotional manipulation. I learned how to be really good at that victim that uses the false power of trying to get people to do what they want them to do through that sneaky, emotionally manipulative way. I didn't, I didn't like my dad's anger, rage, domination. I was just like, eh, no, I don't think I can do that one. But I can do this one over here. And the whole time I was doing it, and I mean the entire time I was doing it, I never acknowledged that that's what I was doing. I never acknowledged <laughs> that I was playing victim at all the times when I would use all of those emotional manipulation tactics on um, primarily my boyfriends. That was where... 
I felt most of the effective was I felt most of the effective men and my boyfriends. And so, you know, when things were not going as I wanted them to, that's the that's the strategy that I went to. And I just didn't even acknowledge it, didn't have any idea that I was doing it, um, didn't want anyone to ever know I was uh, playing a victim because I judged it. So, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I had so much disdain for that. So meanwhile, I'm completely denying all of my own potency. All the while, uh, in total denial, total denial, total denial, total denial. And so what do I have to resort to? If you deny your own inherent personal potency, and everybody has it, it's there whether you acknowledge it or not. If you deny it, then you're going to look for some sort of compensatory strategy. You're going to be like, okay, well, I feel totally helpless and powerless, so where can I find some? Where can I find some power? Where can I find some external power to use? And we'll get really creative, super creative. Judgment is a great compensatory strategy for where you have um, denied your own personal power. You will use that as your false sense of power or emotional manipulation or all these different strategies that we'll use, and all of it is playing the victim, all of it. Mm. (laughs) All of it. It's so spooky. So here's how I played the victim really, 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 really well is <laughs> I surround myself with victims that were more obvious than me. That's how I did it. <laughs> I hung out with the victims who were can- having tantrums in public and whining and crying and processing overnight for days on end. And it was really awesome because they'd say, you're never the victim. I had one friend who used to say, I don't, I don't sense any vibration of victim in you. And yet I wasn't telling her, you know, at 3 a.m. after her crying, trying to convince me she doesn't know what money is and she can't function. I didn't tell her to shut the hell up. I'm going to go to sleep. So I was totally the victim of that. Like I was the victim of I'm going to rescue you and save you and I will be the one to sit with you through all the shit and listen to your story and I will be that. I was the victim of that. And so I chose to surround myself with really obvious victims and be it and never stand up and say, This doesn't work for me or I'm not buying this lie. And that is how I played victim. It was beautiful. It was perfect. It worked for almost a decade. <laughs> and it and it was probably let me guess, probably all under the justification of this is how I show I care. Yes, it was. This is how I'd be a friend. Because I was a friend that never ended up leaving. Ta, 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 ta. <laughs> My victim wore a cape. <laughs> the rescuer, the savior. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> so when we say that victims look a certain way, we literally are here to tell you victims look always. Victims Many look faces. Yes, many faces, and it looks any way that is required to keep them correct and right in what they believe is true. The lie they're believing is true for them. Yes, that, and to reinforce the powerlessness. That's the weird thing. And and I think Mm -hmm. that's the most subtle distinction that so many people don't really recognize. If you are playing a game to perpetuate your own helplessness and powerlessness, you are functioning as a victim. It may not look that way from the, you know, exterior. It, it, you, you may look really put – like you were saying, you know, I hung around with people who looked far more of a victim than me. They were really obvious, volatile victims, and that made me look like less of a victim. But n- victim nonetheless, <laughs> because you're, you're, right. you're functioning from this, I must completely subject myself to what is go what their story and you know their victim whatever they're they're doing in order to demonstrate that I'm the friend who doesn't leave like that's that's mm-hmm. the thing if you are following some rule that you've decided about well you know a good a good father would do this a good mother would do this a good friend would do this a good you know this is how i show i care so i completely sacrifice my own desires my own life everything that i want because i'm proving that i am that's that's a victim this is the thing if you're in the energy of proving something you've decided that the that the behaviors of a good blank fill it in you know friend neighbor whatever 
if you've decided that that's what a good friend or lover or whatever lo- looks like, then and you're in that energy of proving, then you're sacrificing yourself to the proving of that, and that's a victim. That's the one I think <laughs> that people really don't recognize. It's crazy. Right. It's like, oh, but no, because there's a nobility in it. Like they take, they're like, oh, but look at me. I'm, I go out and I and I volunteer and I do all this stuff and. Um, so many people will burn out. They'll mm-hmm. they'll prove and prove and prove and prove and prove and prove and prove over days, months, decades of their life, and then eventually have a breakdown or burn out or create some sort of you know life threatening disease. And yep. all the while, they're trying to prove that they're this noble person, and that is a victim. If that's not entirely coming from your joyful choice. If you don't feel total joy in that choice of whatever you're doing, because cause somebody can go and volunteer and do it joyfully, and somebody can go and volunteer and do it as an energy of proving. And the joyful right. person is doing it fully at choice, and the person who's doing it as proving, or, well, this is what, you know, I got it, I have to do because my religion says so, or whatever, that person's playing the victim. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah, and, and how many... You know, I I used to be very active in a religion, and I was brought up in it. And I can remember as I got to be an adult and got further and further away from the core principles of it and thinking, yeah, this isn't working for me. I can remember one particular time I sat in a room full of people that when it came time for a share, the conversation that was naturally it unfolded was everybody was saying when was the last time you were excited to be at church and everybody said oh i love it and da, 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 da. and then it unfolded into i actually haven't joyfully chosen to be in attendance in months and years and as i watched that i thought to myself oh i i am literally surrounding myself with people who don't want to be here i don't want to be here I don't want to be one of those people that show up and say, well, I don't want to be here, but I know I should. So I'm choosing what I know to be right and good. And it sickened me. It literally turned my stomach to realize I was playing the game. And I went, oh, wait a minute. You all can choose this, but I'm out. And I was good Mm -hmm. with it. Like, I didn't have any guilt. The moment I gave myself permission to only go if I chose and wanted to be there, I had no guilt. It was fabulous. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. If you're living your life, if your choices in your life are based to based upon have to, must do, supposed to, you know, this is the right thing to do, you're you're not actually choosing for yourself. You're following a pre pre described pre prescribed um, uh, path that isn't your own, mm-hmm. and right. it takes enormous amounts of energy to choose against what would be what you have natural enthusiasm for so a lot of times we we as little kids have a lot of a natural enthusiasm for a lot of different things and then uh you know the people in our lives start eliminating a bunch of that stuff because those are not good choices no you can't make a living doing that and you should do this and you know this has been in our family for generations and you know, and so so you take all that natural enthusiasm and you trade it in for following uh, the pre-described path, pre-prescribed path. And so if your if your choices are based on must do, have to, should, supposed to, then you're not actually living your joyful aliveness, and mm-hmm. and that is going to create likely resentment because you where we're not choosing um, in that joyful aliveness where we're not choosing from that space then resentment tends to build and you know this is where this is where victim is is playing out rampantly yes. in our society we're not choosing for ourselves we're not choosing that joyful aliveness we're not choosing our natural enthusiasm for uh following our curiosity or what it's like you know, I just had this image of uh, a child in a park and a little butterfly comes flying along and they're like, ooh, and they just go running, chasing the little butterfly. I mean, imagine if yeah. we allowed ourselves to be that free, to just 
pursue what makes us feel most alive, most turned on, most free, most liberated. But that's not what we do. We actually do the opposite. And mm-hmm. so this is why I think victim is an, is an epidemic. It's an epidemic mm-hmm. on this planet. And it's time for us to cut that shit out. <laughs> <laughs> Real simple. Tamara says cut that shit out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I think that the first thing that really supported me was to drop the judgments that put blinders on me. And got curious about how do I play this out? What? How do I play this out? And without judgment, and I know for many that's very hard. In fact, I've been told I don't think that's possible. Um, and I do actually think that it is possible to not judge and to look and to observe and be curious and become aware. And just wonder, where? show me where I'm playing this out in my life. It may look very different, but the... The intention, the vibration underneath it is the same. I don't have the power. I must succumb. I must obey. I must do this because I should. Anywhere that any of that, any variety of that is playing out, you, you are seeing yourself, you're acting as if. And so whatever it looks like when you react and respond to it, it is from the place of victim. Like if you must fight somebody to prove that they don't have power over you, you're still fighting from the place of victim. If, if you want somebody to not have power over you, move on. <laughs> Remove yourself from where they are inflicting power over. Like there are so many things you can do. And, and, you know, I have a lot of compassion. There's a lot of confusion about this. There is a lot of what I'm the vic- I'm the narcissist. I'm the victim. Oh my god! And that came from yesterday's show a lot. And I do. I I understand. I I get it. This is a big, you know, WTF, man. Like what the hell? <laughs> you know, I get it. And you have choice. That's where your superpower is is in your choice. Well, but you've got to know what me, you're choosing. Mm-hmm. You do. And what your choice is creating. Yeah, yeah be very aware of that. Mm-hmm. That's where the uh, the self-awareness is uh, vital, I would say. Right. The thing the thing for me, and I shared this on a previous show, um, was was when you when you buy into being powerless and helpless, and that occurs in an infinite number of ways. Um, for me, I just bought into, like, I, again, my, my father did this domination thing. I'm just going to yell until you submit. And it worked on my mother like a charm. And so I kind of was like, oh, that's what you do. He yelled, you submit. And so I just bought that he's the dominant controlling factor in my life. It just, it just was like automatic. It was just like, oh, okay, this is how it works. <laughs> and there were probably other contributing factors as well as well but that's when it was it was, and it wasn't even the birth of I'm uh lesser and you know less powerful less than my father it it got translated into the world it's like it's like I bought into the lie of my own innate helplessness and powerlessness and part of that was again watching my mother she played that she's the woman oh I'm a woman oh I must be like her like, this stuff is happening all at beneath the surface of my conscious, you know, cognitive mind. It's not like I sat down and had this little, you know, powwow with myself and said, okay, I think I'll be like my mom because she's the woman. And, you know, like, I didn't do that. It just, it just was like, you know, in the, in the way that we observe and interpret our surroundings, we come to these assumptions, we come to these conclusions, and then they become the bedrock and foundation of how we engage with the world. So I had this inherent, like, yep, that's me. I'm the powerless, helpless one. And then when I went into the, you know, as I got older and started going out into the world, I just started functioning that way automatically. And one of the interesting things was in in looking at my father and judging him horrendously, again, I had massive contempt and disdain for my parents growing up. Um, and in judging him for his, uh, his anger and his rage and his dominating and controlling uh, behavior, 
I was like, I will never be like that. And what happened mm-hmm. is, yes, he was using a false source of power. But when you, when you point your finger at somebody who you believe is being dominating and controlling and you say, I will never be like that, one of the things that happens is that all of your own innate power and potency gets lumped in to the false sense of power mm-hmm. that you're pointing the finger at and saying, I will never be like that. And it all, it's like throwing the baby out with the bathwater because you don't know the distinction. You don't really know the distinction mm-hmm. at that point. So you're like, oh, I'm going to take all of that energy and I'm going to shove it so far out of my universe and I'm going to throw, lock the door and throw away the key because I'm never going to be like that. So I have yeah. absolutely zero, zero sense of my own potency. I'd never, I abandoned it altogether in one, I was like, nope, not going to have it. And it wasn't until, you know, about five or six, but it was about six years ago that I actually went to a class where I saw something, um, I saw somebody being potent in a way that didn't include the anger and domination that my father played all the time. And, and I got really, like, I put filters on. And so, mm-hmm. so I probably what could have, there was probably people being in their potency, personal potency, all throughout my life, but I couldn't see it because everything to me got, got um, seen through the filter of raging, angry, dominating, controlling mm-hmm. man. And so anything else I was blind to, and it all was like, oh, there's another angry, raging, dominating man or person. And so it wasn't mm-hmm. until, you know, I was six years ago that I went to a class, and I think for the first time in my life I opened up the possibility of like, well, what is this? potency stuff what's the what's the difference between power over and yeah. innate inherent power that comes from within i was like i don't even know what the hell that is like it was completely foreign to me and many of mm-hmm. you listening might be thinking the same thing it's completely foreign to you and so i went to a class and i was able to be present enough to see somebody to for, maybe for the first time in my life see somebody without the filter of angry, rageful, you know, dominating, controlling, and go, uh-huh. oh, that's what that is? That's what that energy is? And, and it was made up of a, of a lot of things. Interestingly enough, it was made up of vulnerability. It was made up of, of trust in their own inner authority. It was made up of gratitude. It was, made, it was made up, imagine this, it was made up of all those energies of, of vulnerability and trust and gratitude, all of those intimacy energies that we've been talking about, that's what the potency I observed for the very first time was made up with. And I tell you, I walked away from that that class feeling a little confused. I was like, okay, wow, that's so completely different than anything I've ever seen or acknowledged or allowed myself to be aware of. And that seems pretty cool. And how do I do that? <laughs> right. Yeah, I think that that is a good point. Is I'm glad you brought up the potency piece because I can remember standing in my potency knowing, knowing that I was honoring myself. And what they chose to turn it into or what, you know, the person in front of me or whatever chose to say about it. I would not regret, there would be no regret because I was completely 100% honoring myself. And, there, and nobody had to succumb to me. I was holding my own space. Nobody needed to validate it. Nobody needed to agree. I was holding my space. I had my back. Yeah. One of the ways, it's, it's really, as you as you as you're saying that what what's occurring to me is one of the ways that I became actually ashamed of my own potency and and I'm just like having this awareness right now I'm like holy <laughs> cow any time that I would be as a child self-directed any time that I you know had the gall the audacity to choose something for myself Somebody would come along, primarily my father, and tell me that I was stubborn and obstinate, and I had no, like, like the message was, 
it was I made it because it because it wasn't in alignment and agreement with what he wanted, right? He wanted clones. He didn't want you know he didn't want to uh, uh, raise children to be whoever they were going to be. He was like, nope, you must align and agree with everything I think, say, and do. So so yeah. I was ma- I mean I was shamed big time any time I made a choice that was self directed. It was all how stubborn I was, how obstinate I was. And and so uh, that's another way that I my potency went underground, and it was like, oh, it's not safe. It's it's wrong, and it's not safe to actually be in my potency because I'm I'm shamed as being stubborn and obstinate. And I remember, even in my thirties, I was working for somebody who, uh, and I don't, I don't remember the context of this at all. Um, but the woman I was working with, she was essentially my boss and, uh, you know, having a conversation about something. And by this time, I had allowed that self-directedness, that inner authority to grow quite a lot from, you know, my childhood. And so I was talking about something in a very inner authority, self-directed way. And uh, she did the same thing. She she labeled me as stubborn. She's like, well, you're just stubborn. <laughs> And and the thing is, when somebody calls you something that you've been shamed for, the the mm. thing that you want to do when she's like, well, you're just stubborn, and it was like trigger, and the first thing you want to do is backpedal and start showing them, no, I'm not, no, I'm not. Let me let me blah, 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 blah. Uh-huh. And, and like whatever it is, somebody points the finger and says you're selfish. Somebody says you're stubborn. Somebody said whatever it is, if you've been shamed for that, if you feel wrong about that. Um, you will backpedal so fast to try and prove them wrong okay. in their point of view. And um, and every time somebody would come out and say, because arrogant, that was another one. You know, if I'm not yeah. conforming and fitting in with the crowd, I'm an arrogant, you know, I'm arrogant. So that's the other one I, I would get labeled as, is arrogant, stubborn, obstinate. Every time I chose something that was against the grain, didn't conform to the crowd, didn't conform to the consensus uh mindset or status quo mm-hmm. and that would shut me up so fast <laughs> i would just be like as soon as somebody labeled me with that it triggered all the shame and boom no more talking right oh my gosh i saw this unfold with my wife she had a correspondence with somebody from her past who had you know played the played the sociopath you know they had played the victim and the, you know, villain game pretty well. And every time she'd get a message from this person and not respond, like not go to victim, not become the puppet the person was used to, this person would every 100% of the time always return with, you're out of integrity. (laughs) And I would watch Mm. my wife, who is totally dynamic, go, no, I'm not, no, I'm not, no, I'm not. How dare she? I can't believe it. I can't believe it. And I'm like, damn, what power does that one word have over you? Like, holy shit. Well, she said, I don't care who is saying the word. Do you realize that when those letters of the alphabet are organized in that system to create the word integrity, you lose all of your identity and you become the sniveling, you know, barking, raging dog that is ready to attack and to defend your territory? And it took some time, but it was when she quit playing the victim of that person who was delivering the word and started having a relationship with the word that she realized I had no power over her. And, oh. and the person who used it was holding basically the controls to strings that were not attached to anybody. And it changed everything. The victim didn't get it didn't jump when integrity came into a sentence it changed everything because seeing it as this person is horrible for treating me this way stops you from saying but what in you is reacting to them so that you can become aware of it and go hold on that's just letters arranged in a certain way why am I letting that play that game? And when I hear you, oh, I get it. Oh, my gosh, I get it so so much. I have the same exact thing. And it played out differently for me. It played out differently for my wife. It played out differently for friends. And yet, how often do we make the person 
who has the audacity to play the strings of the controllers we've given them the wrong person because they have the power over us. Instead of saying, back it up, hold on, what's the button they're pushing? Because that button is programmed to me. And as long as I look at that and as long as I get really aware of that and untangle myself from that button, they can push all they want, but it's not attached to me. That is having your power. That is owning your potency. That is you being intimacy, you know, one-on-one with you so that no matter what they try, you don't leave yourself. You don't abandon yourself because that is the moment that the victim is born, is when you decide that somebody has power over, when you give up your, your self-identity of your own power, your self-connection, that's the moment that the victim is born. And if yeah. you birth it, you can put it to rest. You can release it. You can whatever you want to call it. But you've got to be aware of it. <clears throat> yeah, and I, and I, one of the things that I see is, so I might tell this like a story. I don't know. We'll see. Um, <laughs> like, you know, we show up, we, we talked about this yesterday. We show up on the planet and we're just so excited to be here. I mean, you look at a kid and they are full to overflowing with natural enthusiasm for living and their curiosity is rampant and they just, you know, they can't get enough. I, I, when I'm around little kids, I'm like, how do they have that much energy? Oh my God. <laughs> and, right. um, and they're just excited and everything is new and fresh and interesting and, and um, and then as they get older and the influences around them start impacting them more about, you know, you shouldn't, you're too much of this and you're too loud and you're too whatever, you're too this and not enough that, and you shouldn't and you can't and that's wrong. And all of that starts to, um, to seep in to that being that's just naturally enthusiastic and uh, and so i would say that's sort of the birth of of an identity that you know it's like oh i can't be this but i can but i can be that oh i never want to be you know angry like my father i never want to be a victim like my mother oh i want to be more like that person and and so much of our identity is actually created in defense of something that's been made wrong uh, mm-hmm. and, and it doesn't even have to be something that was directed at us. You could hear, you could overhear a conversation that your mother says about, oh, that's so-and-so. She's just so blank and this and that. And so you're like, oh, well, my mother doesn't like so-and-so because she's blank and this and that. And so I, I, sh- I will never be like that because if I be like that, I'm going to learn you lose my mother's love. And, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I did that with a friend of mine. I overheard him talking one day about how, you know, all those women who were gold diggers, and it was like, note to self, don't ever be a gold digger. And so I created myself in defense of that that label because I didn't want to lose my friends, the friendship of my friend, because mm-hmm. he he would judge and separate from anybody who was a gold digger. And I was like, well, I don't want him to judge and separate from me. So so we start building this identity of all the things we, we – it's okay to be this, but it's wrong to be that. And then, as you just said, as soon as somebody comes along and accuses us of that very thing that we've decided we must never be, then we, we freak. We backpedal. We, we become this just, just totally freaked-out person, and we will spend – most people spend the entirety of their lives working – in immense effort to fortify that identity. They will go to extreme lengths. I think, you know, perhaps our current POTUS is an example of that, who will go to extreme lengths to make sure that people only have the point of view about them that they want them to have. If I've decided I'm not selfish, if I've decided I'm not stubborn, if I've decided I live totally in integrity and I'm completely trustworthy, and you know, then I will go to great lengths and great effort to make sure that everybody I come in contact believes exactly the same about me. And if they deliver a point of view that's different, then I will go to extremes to get them to change that. And and this is that that identity is not who you are. It's not who you are at all. You are actually that being that showed up on the planet with natural enthusiasm and no judgment about anything, mm-hmm. has never made any way of behaving right or wrong, had never made any point of view right or wrong, who just showed up and was like, oh, my God, I'm so excited to be here. I have a body. I'm so curious. Let's play. 
So right. you, you the being, there's no identity to that. There's none whatsoever. It's a willingness to be any energy. Mm-hmm. It's a willingness to have all choices viable and just experience, explore, experiment, play. So to, to the degree that we're clinging to an identity of I'm this, but I'm not that, and to the degree that yeah. we are working so hard to fortify that by proving uh, our rightness against our wrongness and where we're good and not bad, I mean, that to me is where we live in victim the most because that yep. impacts every single day of your life with every single interaction you have with another being on the planet. I mean, this is constant you are constantly vigilant about your identity and making sure that the people around you buy the identity that you've created for yourself. And you will go to great (laughs) lengths to make sure that it's exactly as I've stated it to be. And that's when you're being the victim the most. I mean, because really power and your own personal potency comes from a a place of vulnerability where it's like, you want to have that point of view about me? Okay. Judgment is not relevant. Judgment is not relevant. Now, this is going to sound really weird, but your greatest potency is when you give up your addiction to judgment as a source of false power and protection. It takes a lot of vulnerability to give up judgment as your source of false power and protection. So when judgment is no longer relevant to you, as I said yesterday, it's no longer your, your orienting principle in the world, in your life, then you are walking through the world without shields of protection. You're being vulnerable, and that is, I'm willing to be any energy. I'm willing to allow all choices viable, because right and wrong, good and bad, that's just made up. Right. Yeah, that's that's the scariest thing for many people that I have had conversations with. In fact, I can remember one time saying, having the audacity to say to one of my step-parents, what if that's not true? <laughs> mm-hmm. Ooh, <doggy. laughs> well, that was gasoline on the fire. Way to go, Jenny. Now none of us have eyebrows. <laughs> <You know what? laughs> mm-hmm. And and it was just simply, and it was really from a, a curious space, but what it revealed was that I had the audacity not to be the puppet, not to be the clone. And yeah what it revealed was how much, because the only defense for what, you know, was being said, what was being preached was absolutely true, was if it is not true, if it's not true, I am wrong, and everybody before me is wrong, and everybody else that believes this is wrong, and I'm not willing to believe that that is possible, so this must be right. And I'm like, oh, that, that, really, that's your fight? Like, mm, you yeah, that's your, that's your that? uh, rationale there? Good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, well, hold on. So either all you all are wrong or just I'm wrong? Well, I'm willing to be wrong, you know? Mm, mm. <laughs> And to have that revealed to me by somebody that I had, I had completely succumbed to. I mean, gosh, they were the, the dominant source of my livelihood and care and all the things that were provided for me and all that stuff. So I came from a very patriarchal upbringing, extremely patriarchal in everything I believed. It all went through that patriarchal society and mindset. And so for myself to go, huh, what you believe might actually be true for me. Huh. It disintegrated everything that I had ever had. And I did. I felt like I was floundering for a long time. I I remember standing, it hit me in the grocery store of all places, standing in the grocery store getting ready to buy toothpaste, looking at the selection and saying to myself out loud, because, a lady looked at me because I was talking to Deuce If I don't have to believe that about God, what do I believe about toothpaste? That's a moment that it came to me. If I don't have wow. to believe that about God, what do I believe about toothpaste? I probably stood in front of that toothpaste display for about a half hour as my entire system rewired and let me know you better start paying attention to everything you're choosing and what it's creating because it might not all be what you want. And you get to decide. 
and it unfolded before toothpaste. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know what? Here's the interesting thing. For a while, I did go through that time of making the old way wrong because I found a new way, so now you must be wrong. And yeah. I didn't realize nobody yeah. had to be wrong. It can absolutely be right for them. Just because I chose something different does not mean I am right. And now when I'm around, you know, that individual, I can be around and be like, dude, this totally works for you. Awesome. Mm -hmm. I love you. That's it. Yeah, it's those things that we we buy is irrefutably true. And and it's true. If if there's a, um, you know, a, a, a society, a culture, a group, an organization, a family that has adopted irrefutable truths, this is what's true, this is what we believe, and then you come along and you're like, but what if it isn't? (laughs) Oh, my God, (laughs) the wrath that will come down on you if you question what has irrefutably been true for generations, if not, you know, hundreds of thousands of years, the audacity of you questioning that and perhaps trusting you in the face of what has been um, decided upon. And that's what each one of us, I think, is faced with in our lives. Like, are we going to start questioning what we have um, been living as if it's irrefutably true? What if you started questioning everything? I love that. That example is so brilliant. If that doesn't have to be true about about God, what do I know about tooth? What, what's not true about possibly toothpaste? I mean, right. my my question that was was. Um, you know, really pissed people off was who says, who says, you know, this is the way it should be done. This is the way we do things. This is the, you know, this is what you're supposed to do. This is what you should do. This is what you have to do. And I was like, who says, well, I don't, where's Simon telling me who said, you know, like Simon says, Simon says, I was like, we're just playing a game here. Simon says, I'm like, who says that's right. Who says I should. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. drove me bonkers because Nobody ever had an answer for it. It was just like, well, that's right. the way it's always been done. Or that's, you know, it was always, it's just, I was like, there was nobody ever coming from a place of, well, trust what's true for you. Mm-hmm. What if we actually were willing to be that much allowance for one another? I mean, here's here's the pathway out of victim. We've actually been talking about it uh, when we started our yep. intimacy series. We've actually been talking about it. The pathway out of victim begins with trusting you. Yeah. Trusting you and and not feeling the need to control your external environment so you can feel some sense of certainty and safety. What if we could actually allow everybody to have their own points of view? Their own right. whatever. Like, you know, and I did the same thing. You know, as soon as it, when you're swinging when you're doing that pendulum swing from like, "Oh my god, I'm not wrong anymore and that makes them wrong." <laughs> yep, been there, yeah. done that. Um, but but finally, <laughs> landed in that space of allowance which is really you know allowance is a space that you be and surrender is the action that you take to get there until i'm willing to surrender a need to control everything in my life uh, a need to depend on judgment as a false sense of power and safety and security and protection until i'm willing to surrender all of that and choose vulnerability another one of those uh, elements of intimacy, then I actually can't be in a place of, of allowance because an allowance and judgment cannot coexist. So if I'm still hanging on to judgment, if I'm still gripping it with a death grip of, um, you know, like it's a life preserver, if I'm orienting myself in the world based on judgment, and we all do until we don't, then I can't mm-hmm. actually be allowance and a lot of people will get really frustrated with you know like it's so hard for me to choose it's so hard for me to choose allowance and it's like well where are you still trying to control because surrender is the action that you take that allows Mm -hmm. you to be that space of allowance but if you're not willing to surrender and be vulnerable then allowance is kind of like yeah i don't it's not going to (laughs) work it doesn't hang out there you know it just doesn't hang out there. It's like trying to go get milk at Home Depot. It's not there. You can't. You can't pretend. <laughs> you 
can search yeah, for a long time, just, but you're not going to find it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and it is an uncomfortable phase. I I think it. I was really messy during that phase. I really was, and I know it, and I see it, and you know, being able to acknowledge it. But I think that the biggest thing I've got. You know, I know, I I hear it, I know it, I see it, I got it, I, I, you know, I read it. Okay, great. Where do you start? Well, all right, here's the deal. Instead of looking for what's wrong in your life, so you can judge it as wrong, how about if you just simply look at what you've created and do you want to continue to create that or would you like to create something different? That's all. Just look that far. And when you go, I think I'd like something different, take a breath and don't try to figure out how. Just say, I'd like something different. And then watch for what unfolds. There may be new awarenesses just by being willing to not judge that what you've got is wrong, but instead be aware that you would like to create something different. What is so beautiful about that, that you just said, I love that, love that, love that. And what's so beautiful about that is what I just said about surrendering control. When we get to uh-huh. that place and we're like, oh, my God, I have to create something different. I have to create something different. And then you're like, all, I'm like, how do I do it? How do I do it? How do I do it? Guess what you're doing? You're still trying to control <laughs> trying it. To yeah. I've got to figure it out so I can control the shit out of what I choose next. Right. You don't need to come to conclusion before you choose. Actually, that's just more controlling. I love what you said. Just notice. I don't want to choose this anymore. And that, you know, that is so beautiful. That's exactly when change has occurred in my life, when I finally got tired of my own bullshit enough to say, okay, I don't want to choose this anymore. I'm not going to choose it anymore. But when I didn't try and figure out how to control the next step, I just went, okay, I'm not going to choose that anymore. I desire something different. And I let my desire actually be the energy that, you know, spoke to the universe. Instead of saying, I gotta right. figure it out, I was just like, I want something different and now I'm gonna I'm gonna sit in the desire for difference without having to control anything mm-hmm. and let it unfold and show me the possibilities. When right. when I surrender in that space of I don't have to know and I don't have to control it and I don't have to figure it out, that's when the greatest change occurs for me. I can be in that space of like, yep, I am definitely done choosing that thing. I'm over it. I'm done. I'm not choosing it anymore. Show me what else is possible. Right. Right. Absolutely. Well, and and I am, uh, I just happen to be somebody that chooses to be in verbal communication with the universe and the, the energy of that, whether you call that God or spirit, doesn't matter. But for me, I verbally, the moment I go, yep, I'm done with this, I verbally say out loud, show me what my other options are, please. And I just, yep. and then I just let it go. I don't expect yep. it. I don't give demand on timeline or whatever. I just simply <laughs> show me what my other options are. Show me what's available here. And then I start recognizing all the choices I have. I might see a lot of choices that are, oh, no. And I used to be somebody who would say, well, this is the first thing that showed up. It means that must be what the right choice is. I'm going to choose it. No, I don't. I don't go into all the possibilities looking for the judgment of whether they are the wrong or right choice. I look for if it, if it feeds my aliveness as something I desire to choose. Is this the experience I'd like to have? Not what are the results I'm going to get from it. Is this the experience I, would, I want to have in my life? Not that, will this guarantee me the results I want? That's not what we're talking about. That, that is total control the invitation is show me what is possible and then take action on what you're choosing to experience it is an addiction to think that you can make choices based on controlling the desired outcome it's an addiction Mm. it is going to take some practice you're going to fuck it up a little bit here and there and you might fuck it up really big but at least you're making choices you know, so, hey, celebrate. Well, I made a choice, and I made a mess. <laughs> yeah. It, I, 
there's so much freedom in what we're talking about. The thing is, freedom exists beyond control. And I know a lot of people are like, well, but I have so much freedom to choose this and choose that and choose, you know, yes, uh, that is, that is a, there's, and I think that's when I, I, I shared on a, on a previous show about how I discovered I was doing what I called controlled vulnerability. I was dancing with this energy of vulnerability, and I realized I was still doing it from a com- con- place of control. And that's what you're talking about, this addiction to having to conclude before you choose, oh, this is the outcome. Okay, I'll choose that because this is, that's the outcome I want, so I'll choose that. I was, I was mm-hmm. choosing different things, um, but I always had to know how I was going to land before I chose it. And that's, that's <laughs> you know, if you're choosing different and you're like, well, you know, this is something I've never chosen before, so it feels really vulnerable. Yes, it certainly can when you choose something different that you've never chosen before. However, if you still know how it's all going to turn out, that's still kind of a controlled vulnerability. It's when you choose something based on the experience you'd like to have. That is truly 100% how I live my life now. I choose something based on the experience I desire to have. You have no idea how it's going to turn out. No idea whatsoever. And there's enormous freedom in that. The thing that I've recognized over the years and years and years I've been doing coaching is that actually most people aren't interested in freedom at all. Their top priority is security. And that's why we talked about this in the elements of intimacy, this vulnerability piece. Are you Mm -hmm. willing to give up the need for certainty? Are you willing to give up the need to, 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 to have that old familiar form of safety trusting me now the way i do gives me a greater sense of confidence which you might call safety than i ever had before when i tried to control everything to outcome that was a that was an illusion certainty is an illusion it's an illusion so the freedom that i have now being willing to live in that place of surrender and vulnerability I I don't I mean I guess you could call that a sense of safety but it doesn't it's it's an entirely different vibration to it. It's mm-hmm. it's it's born from a sense of I'm capable and I can which as a victim I never felt that. As a victim I felt powerless and helpless. Now I feel capable and you know I'm I'm like whatever shows up I can handle it. That's the kind right. of safety that I wouldn't trade for anything. Absolutely. Big difference. Yeah. And that, that you know, I, it's so interesting. Victim is seen as such a bad thing, especially when you get into doing inner work and also, oh, you're playing the victim. And, oh, she's such a victim. It's such judge. So much judgment is directed mm. at that because it is a stance that says I have less power than. But if you stop judging the victim and look at the superpowers that are within what you're choosing to use to make sure you stay less powerful, what would you discover? Because what's hiding in there is your power. Mm-hmm. You are amazing at creating your life. Everything that surrounds you, you are creating how you interact with it, you're creating all that you are experiencing in your life. What if you just simply made changes to what it is that you're choosing that's creating that instead of having to make what you've created wrong? That's a distraction from your power of creation. And that's the invitation that we have for you, you know, here with this show ongoing, especially with these last couple shows. And so the challenge for the weekend as we move in I would just say, are you willing to become aware of what you have been in denial of? That's it. Just become aware of it. What have you been denying? See what it reveals to you because there are choices within what is revealed. So on that note, we've got to go. (laughs) This is Jen and Tamara signing off. Yes, great week. And we will be back next week. So thanks for joining us here with Seducing Aliveness. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.